When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Dustin Pedroia, I don't think in a lot of ways has gotten the respect that he deserves. People, I think, so easily have forgotten, you know, what he meant to the team, what he meant to the organization as a rookie of the year, as an MVP, as a clubhouse leader. People should not lose sight of what he did accomplish. And um, he's a shell of his former self, but that shouldn't, you know, define his legacy here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red Sox Beat Podcast. This is episode 216 of the show. Obviously, I've been along, around that long, but I'm your host, uh, Chris Cotillo from MassLive.com. This is the May 14th version, recording this on an off day, Monday night, with my partner at MassLive, Chris Smith. Chris, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice. A uh, few days off this week, kind of regroup. The team has been playing uh, really well. You saw that in Chicago. I saw it in Baltimore, and then over the weekend... We were both there for at least at least one game each for the uh, series against the Mariners where they swept. And this team is suddenly right back, you know, in contention and um, looking like a playoff contender again. Yeah, well, I was there for all three games of the Mariners series, Chris. I right. don't know where you were. I have some scheduled days off because I was in Baltimore. Oh, the no, schedule is always, always worked that way. So I'm just now. kidding. All right, go on. What were your thoughts from uh, if you were there and you were an expert on the Red Sox Mariners and what were your thoughts <laughs> on the series? Uh, I don't know. I, it was kind of a boring series because the Red Sox just beat the hell out of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you look at the, the um, you know, the, the, it's funny, like, Coors had some some line to us the other day when we were in Chicago and he kept, he said, like, last year he kept say, saying, do damage. And this this year is his phrase that he's been saying a lot is, you know, keep the keep the line moving. And that's what they have been doing. I mean, they're putting like mm-hmm. eight spots on the on the board. And, you know, to come back, we wouldn't have seen that last year. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't have seen that earlier this year where Rick Priscilla gives up four runs in the first inning. And, you know, they come right back and, and win that game, you know, 11 and 11 to four, nine to five, whatever it was. I mean, the offense is really hitting on all cylinders right now, and I think it's, I think it's basically because Raphael Devers is the best hitter in baseball right now, and you know everything's everything's gelling from there. Uh, you know, Chavis has been good. He went into a little bit of a slump lately, but you know he was walking. He drew about, I think he drew five walks on the 0 for 19 slump. So mm-hmm. he was still walking. He was still getting on base. They're a good team, you know, when that offense is rolling. I think they have a better lineup than last year. 
you know, because you add Chavis and because Devers is just a, a lot more mature hitter than last year. And then also Christian Vasquez is hitting really well right now. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're getting they're getting production out of the catcher spot. The only production they're really not getting anything out of is, is you know, center field. Because, I mean, you, you can look and you can say, well, Steve Pierce hasn't done anything. But, you know, they are getting production out of first base because of Mitch Moreland. Mm-hmm. And Moreland's been, you know, back to kind of the all-star version that we saw in the first half of last year. The second half was ugly, but Pierce was so good that it kind of made up for it. So, it seems like they haven't been able to get those two guys going at the same time. But as long as one of them... You know, it's kind of all they need with considering, you know, the pieces around them. But you, uh, you've been, and we talked this morning you know, before the podcast about Raphael Devers and how, you know, in your mind and the stats back it up, he's becoming one of the best hitters, one of the best young hitters in baseball. And it feels like to me, at least, just it's come quickly. Like it was a, you know, all right, he hadn't hit a home run. The extra base hits weren't there. His average was still okay. And then, you know, over the weekend kind of just went off and all of a sudden he's leading all these categories and he's really you know, the, the talk of uh, everything surrounding the Red Sox. Yeah. So I think, you know, you, you have to look at it as, you know, the power will come if he continues to do what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, if he, he's just got a, a much better approach in the zone. And we, we, you know, we saw it with, you know, when I went to Chicago and we, you know, with Mankata, Mankata struggled for a couple of years and his strikeout rate was high. Now, now Devers strikeout rate wasn't, high like Mikata's, but he, you know, he didn't have the play discipline. He wasn't, you know, swinging at the best pitches and he wasn't laying off pitches that he couldn't hit. And so, um, you know, you look at it and it's just the maturity of, you know, his at bats. And so I think that at this stage, they'll take the, the OB, the OBP, which is 408. I mean, he's getting on yeah. base you know, over 40% of the time for, you know, a couple, you know, home runs here and there, they'll, they'll take that exchange right now um, because, you know, you can see, and he's hitting the ball hard, line right. drives, you know, doubles, singles, the singles have been hard hit. It's just that, you know, the home runs haven't come yet, but I think they eventually will, and he's going to put everything together. It's just refining that approach, and we're seeing it a lot with certain hitters. I mean, you know, Bobby Dolbach's going over that in double A right now, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, his strikeout rates dropped. I think it's like 12% from last year or 10% from last year, let's say, but you know, his, his on base percentage has gotten higher. The home runs haven't been there until this past week where he hit like, th- you know, he's hit four home runs in the past two days, but so, you know, I mean, That's you, by, yeah, but doll back. So it's like, so, I mean, you have to make some, you know, I mean, some things come and, you know, some, if you're going to, you know, be a better, if you're going to have a better approach and stuff, sometimes the, the home runs don't come as consistently at first, but they will come for him. And I think he's, he's developing into one of the best hitters in baseball, which I always thought he could be. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some telling stats when you look, obviously 336 lead the league in average 408 OBP is great, but you look at kind of just comparing last year to this year, 38 walks in last last year total in 121 games and through 41 games, he's already at 18 walks, which is on pace to way exceed that. Strikeouts, he struck out 121 times uh, last year. He's got 24 this year. So kind of just positive uh, improvement there for Devers in, in really um, every category. I think people remember the strong October and a couple of big hits, especially the home run at Houston when you really think about Devers 
a year last year, but there was a point where Devers was, you know, he was getting hurt. I think he had a hamstring strain that popped up twice that I think, you know, reading in between the lines of what they've said this year has been a result of conditioning problems. And obviously he wasn't in the greatest shape in the past. Um, the last year he came in into spring training in much better shape this year. Those hamstring strains put him on the DL, still the DL then. It wasn't the IL yet for a couple different stints. And when he was out, you know, Eduardo Nunez was playing well and, and he was doing some stuff. And there was kind of a more of a platoon and, and definitely not Devers, you know, solidified as a starting third baseman. He turned around, you know, things around with a really good September. In October, he was the guy most of the time and had some big hits. And this year, with Nunez being out for a portion, that helped him you know, pick up, obviously, regular at-bats. But he's entrenched himself there. Obviously, the big issue that we still talk about with Devers is errors. It's been, I think, magnified, especially in a couple of losses. Home loss against the Rays, where he made a big error in a 2-1 game that cost him. And then um, the one in Chicago, where uh, right before Delmonico hit that walk-off home run in the first game of the series, um, that was a crushing loss, and that was a really tough play there. So, you know, there's defenses that is a work in progress. His offense, you know, at this point seems to be canceling that out. He's going above and beyond what the expectations were offensively. And he's a guy where, you know, he, along with Chavis, have really given them, especially lately, two uh, improved options in, in a crowded infield mix. So this is something that I wanted to talk about with Chris because, um, it was really the story of the day on an off day for the Red Sox is that infield and especially surrounding Dustin Pedroia. He goes down with another setback today. The Red Sox pulled him off his rehab assignment with minor knee soreness. This has obviously been a very long path for Dustin Pedroia coming back three games last year. Didn't make the team out of spring training this year as they wanted to keep him, you know, keep him on a slower program. He rejoined the team for the home opener. Played six games, only got a couple of hits, didn't look like himself, was limping at times around the park, as we saw, and then re-aggravated it on that night in New York, April 17th. It looked bad. They feared the worst. Everything turned out okay. After a few rehab games in Portland, uh, things are back to you know another setback. So uh, the team is saying that it's minor. Alex Cora, talking to reporters yesterday, said it doesn't seem like it's anything serious, but obviously... Not the progress I think anybody would have wanted for the Red Sox or Dustin Pedroia, especially with how hard he's worked. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we don't know what was found today. So, right. you know, there we could go in there tomorrow and it could be serious. I don't know. I mean, but, right. you know, what, mm. what what Alex said to us was that they're going to reevaluate him today. And this is what he said yesterday. They're going to reevaluate him. And... He said that if everything checks out fine, he'll be headed out back out on his rehab assignment. So obviously everything didn't check out fine. There's, you know, yep. that it's, you know, something's wrong. And so, you know, with him, I just, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's ever going to be there again. I really don't. I mean, you look at it, he's played more minor league rehab games in the past, uh, you know, two years. Then he has big league games, nine big league games. That's it. Three last year, six this year. You mm -hmm. know, I, I know it's you can't really use the small sample size, you know, batting 100, one, two for whatever it was, two for 20 or whatever. Yep. Um, Great math. <laughs> yes. So anyway, 
Um, you know, it's just it's a small sample size with him. Um, but he, they, you know, he he wasn't hitting when he was with the Red Sox, mm-hmm. and right now, you know, like it or not, they're the the best team that they have is with Chavis at second base, and you know, and I, I, that's what I believe. So, you know, some people might not say, oh, you know, some people might say, oh, he's not the best defensive second baseman, but you know, in today's world of shifts and everything you don't have to have the best defensive second baseman you know the fringiest second baseman you just have to make the routine plays and Chavis is doing that he did it again yesterday uh, made a nice play on a on a line drive that was that he had to leap for in the first inning and he saved a run there um, I think that you know we, we look at it and it's interesting and you know I don't know if, if Pedroia is ever going to come back or, or to be healthy again for an extended period of time. And you look at how important it is for them not to trade any of the guys in their system because of it. Like, you know, you look at Bobby Dahlbeck and what he's doing right now where he's, you know, you know, he's at Portland and he's reduced the K rate and he's, you know, hitting for on base percentage and he has four home runs over the past two days, including one tonight. He hit three yesterday or three on Saturday and one today. And, you know, you look at it and he's a very good defensive third baseman. So you, you know, potentially you could, you could have him next year, a third base and move Devers to first and have mm-hmm. Shavis, Shavis at second. So, you know, I mean, there's so many interesting combinations that you could have if, if, if Devers defense doesn't come around and things like that. But, um, and you know, and it's better to keep these guys right now. Um, because we've seen like, you know, with these prospects, you can move them around, you can put them in different positions and they can succeed like Chavis has at second base for not, not that much time, obviously in the minor leagues there, he only had like five games with Pataka before he came up to Boston. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts on Pedroia? Yeah, I think it's obviously, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a tough, uh, year and a half and something I tweeted out today that got kind of a lot of run on social media and. A lot of people disagreeing and saying fans haven't been like this, and a lot of people agreeing with me and saying that you know things are really uh, that what I was thinking is true is that Dustin Pedroia, I don't think in a lot of ways has gotten the respect that he deserves. It's been you know over the course of the last year, I've seen a lot of people not necessarily celebrating setbacks. That's not the right word, but kind of looking at it as oh, it's laughable that he's he's still trying, or it's laughable that. Is still going through it, and that the Red Sox have put this much into it. And you know, when something like today happens, and there's another setback, and I apologize for all the sirens behind me. I don't know what's going on outside, um, but there's a there's just kind of a thought that he is, you know, just this guy that has not meant as much as he has to the Red Sox organization. He's a guy that you know people forget. People, I think, so easily have forgotten. You know, what he meant to the team, what he meant to the organization as a rookie of the year, as an MVP, as a clubhouse leader, and all of that stuff. And over the last couple of years, it's kind of become not necessarily a punchline per se, but just this thought of, you know, and so quickly this guy's legacy has changed. And I just, my hope is that he won't be thought of as, you know, this player who was constantly heard and um, through his career, because that really wasn't the case. It's just been in the last couple of years with this one nagging injury that we've seen, uh, a surgery that he probably shouldn't have had that he says he regrets having, and you know, a very long road back from something that was really unprecedented for baseball players. I just think 
people should not lose sight of what he did accomplish. And um, he's a shell of his former self, but that shouldn't, you know, define his legacy here. Yeah. But, uh, okay. I agree that. I agree with that. I've, I've seen a lot of people tweet back to me that he should retire. And mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen what, I guess, what you've seen in terms of, you know, um, happy or whatever you said about the setbacks. Yeah. Um, or this is laughable, you know, that they keep trying, you know. But with that said, um, you know, like you keep trying and trying and trying here. And there are these setbacks. And like you look at the latest one here and they call it minor. But is anything mm-hmm. really minor at this point? Right. Because no, if he can't no. if he can't play the first game of three straight games in a row at Portland, yeah, then that's really not minor because the, you know they're making the case that he has to come back as an everyday player. That's mm-hmm. that's what the t- that's the best way for the roster construction. That's the best thing for the team is that he comes back as a guy that can play second base every day. Okay, so you look at it and. You know, he's got to determine, uh, can I play on this? If it's if he's feeling minor pain, can I play on minor pain? He's got to determine, he's got to figure out, um, you know, what kind of pain he can play on and what kind of pain is, you know, career-threatening or, I mean, everything's career-threatening, I guess, at this point, but what which yeah. one he has to go to the doctor for because he can't, I don't know. I mean, if he's going to come back, I mean, we, we saw Stephen Wright's comments you know, he said that to us. He said, he, you know, the, his knee's never going to feel right again. He's going to feel mm-hmm. it. And so what is Pedroia feeling? I mean, it, you know, it, nothing can be minor at this point. Um, and you have to kind of recognize with if you're him, like, I can't just not play if it's hurting a little bit. I mean, so I, I mean, if, I, that's why I just don't think it's minor. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I, and I'm not saying that Pedroia, I mean, because Pedroia has been the type that will play through anything his whole entire career. So I'm not yeah. saying Pedroia is not playing and it's, it's, you know, he's, you know, he should be playing and this is, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, mm-hmm. you know, if he can't play with this and they're calling this minor, nothing's really minor at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's it's fair to say and. You know, he's a guy that has, like you said, played through a lot of things. And the fact that he cannot shake this and, and not get it to a good point is, is really telling, I think. You know, I, I think it's very interesting, especially with the way the roster is constructed, that they've been kind of talking about that everyday player, you know, that, that mold that they wanted to come back in. And I think, you know, you're obviously talking about a team that has a very crowded mix in the infield, so crowded that the reason they had to trade Blake Swihart or originally – Outright, Sandy Leone, we all know that they brought Swihart back, and Leone went back, came back, Swihart gets traded to Arizona. The reason you needed to do that is because they had the expectation that they'd need to carry Eduardo Nunez, Brock Holt, and Pedroia all up the middle. So now that you know all three of those guys get hurt at the same time, you had Chavis step in, and now there is going to be, if all these guys are back and they give Pedroia another chance on the Major League roster, Nunez is already back, Holt's on a rehab assignment getting there, if you have all four of those guys, you're going to need, you know, a spot. And it's going to be, you're coming to a point where, with Pedroia, will you DFA, I don't know, Eduardo Nunez? I don't think there's any way that they option Chavis back. So do you DFA Nunez or do you DFA Steve Pierce, Pierce or something like that? Who's the, 
World Series MVP from October, who has shown, you know, that he can be a very productive player, obviously, like we saw all of last year. It, it, that will be a tough decision when it has to come. Um, they've kind of gotten, not that, they've wanted, not that they wanted that, but they've gotten lucky uh, in a way with all of these guys getting hurt. I mean, Brock Holt, I think, was out for way longer than anyone would have anticipated. He had the, the scratched eye uh, on his, his son opening day, scratched his eye. He then, you know, is on his third try on rehab assignments because of a shoulder problem. The eye didn't get fixed. Nunez had back tightness. You know, he's always kind of banged up, but this one put him on the IL. And then while Pedroia, you know, was one of the Pedroia and Nunez went on the same time joining Holt. That's when Chavis came up, and there is just not room. So I think when you look at the way the roster is constructed, when they force Pedroia, when Pedroia comes back, there's going to be a move that has to be made. And uh, it's going to be not one that would have been obvious at the beginning of the year, especially, you know, looking back a few months ago. Yeah. I mean, I think the obvious one now would be Steve Pierce. Cause you know, you look at his, his OPS, not even his OPP, his OPS, you know, on base percentage plus slugging percentage is 335, one point lower than Raphael Devers batting average. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is not hitting at all. And he made a he made a bad play in the field yesterday too. So like I can understand either Nunez or Pierce going. I had somebody direct message me on Twitter today, and they're like, "Is, is it inevitable that Chavis is going down when, when you know Holt and Pedroia come back?" And I, and I said, "Well, first of all, we don't know if Pedroia is ever going to be able to come back. But second of all, no, he's not. He's not going down, especially if he continues to hit." the way that he's hitting and you know if he's having a slump that he did the 0 for 19 slump you know still be able to walk five times and and, you know being able to get on base so yeah he's not going anywhere it's either going to be Nunez or Pierce and right now Pierce is just dreadful with the bat it's it's unfortunate you know because he is a nice guy and you know people like him and you know uh, he did win the World Series MVP, and he can hit. Um, he, you know, he he obviously can produce against lefties. But it's funny, like we saw uh, Chris Chris Young, and, and one of the writers keeps bringing this up to me. At Fenway, is that you know Chris Young? They brought him in on a two-year deal. The first year he crushed, and he was brought in to play left field against left-handed pitchers. He, he you know he was he was somebody that crushed left-handed pitching as a right-handed hitter. And he was great his first, the first year of the contract, and then the second year of the contract, his his average on base percentage, slugging percentage, he did nothing against left handed, uh, left handed pitching, and John Farrell kept playing him despite it, and he was criticized throughout that year for it. I think it was, it was 2017, I think, or maybe it was 2016. I don't know. I think it was 2000. Yeah, it was 2017, or the the year that. You know, John Farrell played him, and he shouldn't have kept playing him. But we're seeing the same thing with Steve Pierce right now. He just mm-hmm. can't hit. And I, you know, he is. He is. Is he the oldest player on the team besides Pedroia? Probably, yeah. Sounds so, about right. I mean, you know, I mean, he, but he did it. Uh, you know, he did it six or, or nine months ago or whatever. But you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I. I you know, so uh, you, you can't always bring back the people just because of a good. Um, I mean, he did he did have a, an OPS of like eight or nine hundred, you know, with the Red Sox last year. But you also can't, you know, base contracts on 
postseason performance either. And we saw that a lot with, you know, Pierce's value went a lot higher because of his, you know, his, his postseason performance. And we also saw that with Joe Kelly and Joe Kelly has an ERA of where Tyler Thornburg has because of his postseason mm-hmm. performance. He got the money that he did from the Dodgers. So, right. you know, the Red Sox made some <laughs> made a mistake, but it's only a one year mistake. Yeah, I think uh, I'll stay away with this. If you uh, don't want to make mistakes and you want to win some money watching sports, then we are uh, the CLNS partner. Uh, preferred betting sponsor is betonline.ag. That's AG, like Attorney General. They have casino, sportsbook, uh, poker, everything you could possibly ask for if you want to gamble online at betonline.ag. This time of year is obviously a lot going on. The NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. Celtics are out. The Bruins are still in it, so you can still bet on them against the Hurricanes, who look like a JV team right now. Um, if you want to log on, use our code. It's clnsmedia.com backslash SoxBeat. That's S-O-X-B-E-A-T. And then that you can use the code CLNS50 for a bonus when you sign up. That's clnsmedia.com backslash SoxBeat. So getting back to Steve Pierce, who... Um, Chris Smith is ready to turn the page on, on Steve Pierce just a few months after the World Series MVP. He has, <laughs> you know, obviously, he was a great trade piece last year. Can't hit at all this year. He's hitting, let's see where he is at, where he's at right now. 117 with a 150 uh, slugging percentage. That's, that's not, his, his OPS is lower than Rafael Devers' average, which I think says, says something about the current state of things. And uh, like I said, those decisions will have to be made. Another guy who was great in October that, you know, we talked about a little bit last week with Matt Votor, a lot of White, White House talk uh, last week. And um, some of that involved David Price. But on the on-field side of things with David Price, seems like his elbow injury, Chris, is not too serious from that, you know, with Cora saying yesterday that he could pitch maybe this weekend or in Toronto at the beginning of next week. Yeah, so it looks like that's going to be the case. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, he's got to throw one more bullpen, and mm-hmm. then they're going to make the decision on whether it's Houston or Toronto. But you know, we'll see. I mean, if, if things pop up after that or not. But um, you know, it's it's obviously a good thing that he got out and threw right away, and that there was no downtime really. I mean, he was pretty much out throwing like at least one or two days after he went on the injured list. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, that was in Baltimore, right? You were, you, I think, yeah, you, yeah I think it was like one or two days after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, yeah. So I think that all positive signs right there, because the last time he wasn't throwing, he was, you know, you just, I mean, the way he talked about it, it wasn't good. And he's been positive about this. So yeah, yep. we'll see with him, but, uh, you know, I'd like to see him get on the mound and pitch well. And then, you know, because this team really needs him. Yeah, I think it's clear that Nathan Evaldi, six weeks might have been a little generous for, I think, today's three weeks. He just started throwing over the weekend, so um, after the surgery. So I'm not sure if he'll be still on that timetable. Brian Johnson seems to be getting closer. He'll be a candidate to start along with Hector Velasquez, Ryan Weber, Josh Smith, all of these guys that we never thought we'd see on the Red Sox. But here we are, and that brings up another thing. One, one of the last things we'll talk about is why does Tyler Thornburg still have a roster spot, Chris? Because he, at this point, you just referenced him talking about Joe Kelly. And um, 
his ERA, Thornburg, his ERA is now, drum roll, 8.04, and that is down a ways from where it was because he was over 12 and, and terrible for most of the year. Obviously, you know, he's gotten a share of appearances. He has not been able to perform at all. I think there should be no discussion of optics anymore with the Travis Shaw trade. Travis Shaw's first year in Milwaukee won the trade for the Brewers no matter what. Thornburg obviously dealt with the injury issues. They gave him a chance. And it's not health. It's not stuff. It's not velocity. It's just pure results. And it's been the same way since spring training. He couldn't get guys out in Florida. He hasn't been able to get guys out so far this year. And he's pitching in zero leverage situations and still giving up runs. So I think at this point, I have no idea what they're waiting for in terms of uh, DFA. If that comes down to they think there's no better options, which I don't know how you could possibly think that with guys like Trevor Travis Likens, Bobby Pointer, even um, some of these guys you have at AAA, and it's uh, it's been you you see what happens when you give a guy a chance like Marcus Baldwin. He's become you know the fourth best reliever on the team on the, on the pecking order. He's behind uh, Barnes, Brazier, and Workman. Next, it's it's Marcus Baldwin, which nobody would have expected before the year. So you give another one of these guys a chance instead of Thornburg. Who knows? Because he's pitching badly in zero leverage situations and I don't think there's any explanation for why you stole the team. Yeah. So the, some people bring up to me that, you know, Dave Dombrowski traded four players for him, three prospects and Travis Shaw, and he doesn't want to look bad by DFAing him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's, that's the thing at this point. I think yeah. that you the know, trade is already lost. know that the trade is, you know, a bad one. And so um, I think that at this point, it's, it's, it's a couple things. Um, eventually, it's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah. they, they want to – I mean, he's thrown, his velocity has been pretty good. And, you know, his stuff is, hasn't been bad. I don't know. He, they, he does need to locate up in the zone. He's going to get hit if he locates down in the zone with his fastball. Mm-hmm. And so – but – the Red Sox may feel like, you know, he still has potential. And if we, if we can keep him on the roster, as long as, you know, and, and throw him in these, uh, you know, low, low leverage situations for his, you know, to try him out, as long as the rest of the bullpen's doing well, maybe he can emerge and, you know, finally get back to form. If his velocity is there, maybe, maybe things can work out. The other thing that's working in his favor is that some of the guys you mentioned right now, um, aren't pitching that well in Pawtucket. Uh, yep. You know, Pointer hasn't pitched well. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakens hasn't pitched that well. And, you know, a guy like Henry, Josh Henry Taylor. Mejia hasn't? Well, Mejia has. Um, it's been a cu- like two bad outings for him. Mm-hmm. So, like, of, of his 14 appearances, I think 10 have been scoreless. Uh, two have been of one run. And then there was one where he was like, you know, he retired one batter and he and he allowed four runs. So mm-hmm. that that's really where the ERA went up. If okay. if you if you you know unfactor that, if you take out that, you know, appearance, then his ERA mm-hmm. goes you know down into the ones or or you know the it was down to the ones. And then he allowed another run the other day. So it may be the um, you know it may be two, but whatever. You know, he hasn't pitched bad. He hasn't pitched bad at all. But they might also be waiting with him because, you know, it, you know, if he pitches slightly bad it, it, in Boston, they can't just, you know, put him back on the Pawtucket roster without right. him clearing waivers. 
and somebody might take him. So they, they might be waiting. It might be a waiting game with him until mm-hmm. they feel comfortable with their roster that they can keep him on there um, without, move, you know, without having to, you know, worry about having to, you know, ha- you know, have his spot. And so, um, so I think that the Thornburg has been lucky that some guys haven't performed right really yeah. at triple at, at A right now. One guy that is performing is Josh Taylor and mm-hmm. he's a he's lefty. On the yeah. Yep. He's a lefty. He's tall and he throws hard. He got it up to like, you know, uh, 98 last year or something like that. And he's been striking out a ton of batters uh for Pawtucket and he did allow a couple runs the other day but he came back with a scoreless outing so he has been very good with Pawtucket and he's somebody that reminds me a little bit of my former favorite Pawtucket reliever Ty Butchery because (laughs) although Butchery was righty but Butchery Mm -hmm. was a right-hander but but Taylor's a lefty he throws hard he's tall and I think that they have something there with them. So, so m- my feeling is, is that if you're getting by right now with, with what you've got, I, if I was Dave Dombrowski, I would not trade anyone, anyone of any significance in the, in the organization mm-hmm. for a reliever at the trade deadline. I would yep. not, tra- I would, it would take, I would, I mean, if I was him it would take a, a 20 prospect, a 20, mm-hmm. number 25 prospect. I mean, if he's thinking about like somebody like a CJ Chatham, who, mm-hmm. you know, is their best shortstop prospect. Oh, you know, he, he could be thinking, well, we, we just locked up Xander Bogarts for, you know, four years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't need a shortstop pro, pro, uh, prospect. Well, the Red Sox don't need a shortstop prospect. That's true. But, He's got he's got versatility. We've seen, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you keep your top prospects and, you know, and keep them right now because we, we've seen how Shavis can, you know, play five games at, at Pawtucket at, se- at second base and then come up and play in the big leagues. Keep Dahlbeck, keep, keep Ch- uh, Chatham, keep all these guys that, you know, mm-hmm. don't trade anybody for a bullpen guy that's of, of you know – of any value prospect wise for a bullpen guy at this point, because you need to really think about your system going forward and your team going forward beyond just this year. And so I think that's an important thing. And I think that eventually you can rely on some of those guys like Lakins and Taylor and Mejia, Mm -hmm. but you just got to give them a little bit more time. And that's really the reason that Thornburg's hanging on here by a thread is because he, they are giving those guys more time, <laughs> but you know if yeah. this well, continues for too much longer, it's not go- he's not going to be on the team much longer. Yeah, well, maybe next week. Uh, I don't know who the guest will be. I have some in mind. Won't be Chris Smith. He's paid his dues here today. Huh. Um, and uh, maybe next time, though. This time, Tyler Stormberg will not be on the team. We'll have a lot to talk about then, as the Red Sox will be done with a three-game series against. Their ALCS rival from last year, the Astros, which is over the weekend. They played the Astros in uh, six out of ten games coming up. Weekend series in Boston, weekend series in Houston. So some uh, potential playoff previews uh, coming up in the next week. A lot of storylines. We will uh, catch you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 